Because we're really talking about one of the topics in the church that we just don't talk about. Like we, we don't like to talk about it. We don't want to talk about it. We try not to talk about it technically by law. We're not supposed to take a side. Like it's an interesting thing to talk about. And it's like, kind of like this. You guys ever been to like a family dinner or like a family reunion where you're told ahead of time, like don't bring up this subject? Like, don't bring up uncle whatever's drinking or, you know, this person let themselves go. Like, don't bring up these things. Like, for a lot of you, the thing is, don't, don't bring up religion and politics are the two things. Because that will make people go crazy right off the bat. Like, I still remember, this is when I, when I really saw something change. Like, I felt like something was truly changing in the, like, United States of America's landscape with Christianity and all of that. Was we had Thanksgiving dinner. I think it was 2016, right after Trump was elected. And one of the uh, older people at this Thanksgiving dinner was praying. And when they were praying, they said something to this effect. They said, and thank you, God, that a godly man is back in the White House. And I just looked up and went, like, I was surprised. My wife doesn't have the ability to control her emotions. She just went, ha, like out loud, like just out loud. And it was awkward after that. And that guy didn't talk to us for a while and he's still kind of mad at us and I don't really know why. But I was sitting there, I was like, wait, what? Like you look at Trump and you said, thank God there's a godly man in the White House now. And I'm going, wait, what is going on? What is going on right now in this world with politics and Christianity where we have normalized this behavior to, to take Christianity and totally go on board with a part, political party? And on the other side, we've normalized behavior where it's okay to mock people for having something different or bully them or cancel them if they believe something different than you. And there's even been a promotion lately of this idea that where we mix Jesus to promote nationalism or the USA is first or this idea that God loves America more than other countries and what happens many times is this our theology starts to become and starts to get held captive by our political viewpoints all of a sudden our political viewpoints are the ones that are shaping our theology and we've even decided that Jesus would have a party I've heard people say this all the time if Jesus was alive he would be on this party I'm like you don't know that why, why would we assume that? And you see people deciding, well, I want, and I've heard people say this, I wish that the Christians could take over the government and then we could do what we wanted. Guys, here's the deal. I studied history in, in college, not on purpose. And uh, we did a history of religion. Every time Christianity forms with a government, it ends badly. It ends badly. I mean, you always see that happen all the time. Hitler tried to basically say, hey, it's Christianity, the reason we need to do the things we do. When they did the Crusades, they said it was God wants us to take this back. Colonization, you had people coming over to America going, we're taking this for God. And they would kill all the indigenous people because they were quote unquote ungodly. And you see people doing all kinds of awful things all the time. And the worst part of it is while you watch it, you see at, at best, you see churches that are complacent with what's going on. At worst, you see churches see a place where they can find power and go along with it. Look, I, I need you to understand this right off the bat. There's the distinct difference between cultural Christianity and following Christ. Here's what I mean by that. Cultural Christianity is this idea where I can take culture and merge it with Christianity and it's okay. I can take what I believe in the political realm, I can merge it with Christianity, and it makes make sense. But that's not true. In fact, we can't do that, but how do we, as Christians, deal with Christ and what we're supposed to do in the midst of all this political climate? Now, here's the deal. I want to let you know right off the bat, the next three weeks, I'm probably going to offend you. In fact, I hope I do. I'm just being honest right now. Because most of us, including myself, have held beliefs that were not Christian. 
Most of us have hold on to things and decided things and gotten angry with people and yelled at people about things that didn't matter as much as them knowing Christ. And so I hope there are some things that you take that you go, maybe I'm offended by this. Maybe I need to think about this. And I fully expect to make some people mad. And for the first time, I fully expect some emails from the exchange people. Normally it's just from the old people. They, they love to throw emails at me all the time. But the thing is, is with this, is I want to always bring us back to this. The reason it's different, the reason we have to talk about this is because our hope is not in our government. But, but, hear this, our government informs policies and policies affect people, so we care. Because here's what happens so many times. I see this happen, and I've been there too, where I get so frustrated with the government. I get so frustrated with politics. I, I, I just basically think the entire system's rigged. The entire system is this. The entire system is that. And so I just want to give up. But let me just say this. As Christians, even though you're burned out on politics, it's not okay to give up. It's not okay just to put us to the side and say, I'm not going to pay attention to this. In fact, election Tuesday, we are taking off the exchange, so you vote. Like, we want you to vote. We want you to be a part of the political process because policies affect people. Politics matter, and it's actually a way where Christians can choose to engage in culture in the right way and show everybody how we're different. Because here's what's happened, and here's the problem. Many times when politics and Christianity infuse together, you get some sort of idolatry. And here's what I mean by idolatry. It's God's not giving me what I want right away and what I think should change right away. So I'm going to put all my hope in this person that claims that they're going to do it. And so we raise somebody up and we go, this is our savior. But at the same time, we say we have Jesus. And you see this happening in churches. You see this happening with Christians where people go, but this guy is God's candidate. No, he's not. No candidate has ever been God's candidate. There's not been a person yet that has lived the kind of life that God would say, that is what I want. And so what we have to do and what we have to realize is there's a difference between cultural Christianity and following after Christ. Now, on top of that, I want to go after one side real quick. There's also a big difference between patriotism and nationalism. There's a difference between patriotism and nationalism. Let me explain this right off the bat. Patriotism is I love my country, and I do. I love my country. I love the freedom that I have right now. I love the fact that I can stand up here and say what I need to say. I love that we can do what we get to do. I love that we have free speech, all of these things. Nationalism is this idea that I love my country the most and only my country and God loves my country and we're founded on godly principles and God only loves us, forget everybody else. That's what nationalism is and that's what you see. And many times what happens is people get that confusion. Oh, well, you know, this country was founded on godly ideals, kinda, Kind of, you know, like in the Declaration of Independence, they had a part that was going to get rid of slavery, but they crossed it out. Like they knew what was right and wrong. Yet they chose not to do it that way. And here's why I say that. One time I was teaching a message in the main stage and I was talking to everybody and I said, hey, we one time we went on this trip to Haiti. We were helping this orphanage down there after the earthquake and we were heading back on the plane. And we, as we were heading back, a guy on the plane was talking to one of the people in our party and he was saying to their, why are you going down there and helping these people when you could help people in America? As if we can only help those in America. And I explained the idea that God doesn't care what nation somebody's from as long as you're serving and loving people. And I said that from stage, and I had a man come up to me afterwards and say this. He said, hey, why do you hate our troops? I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, why do you hate our troops? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you're saying, you know, they died for nothing. I said, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, I have many family members who are troops. I care about our troops very much. In fact, many times I do think war is something that needs to happen, but many times war is something that happens that we don't really always know the background behind it. 
And so we try to figure out those things, but at the same time, God cares just about much about the people that we're fighting in a war that he does about us. That's a hard thing to swallow and a hard thing to understand because so many times we were grown in a culture that said, America first, God loves America. It's all about America. And what that is, is something called exceptionalism. Exceptionalism is this idea that somehow some people are above others. And when you look at Jesus, Jesus constantly broke down the barriers of exceptionalism. Constantly did. I mean, you see him in just one fell swoop do it when he sat down and talked to the Samaritan woman. One time, in those days, man did not talk to a woman at that time. Like that wasn't something that happened on top of it. She was a Samaritan woman, which the Jewish people looked at as literally dogs. They looked at them as less than. He goes and he talks to them. On top of that, what do you see Jesus do? His last day on earth. If it was your last day on earth, what would you do? Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He goes, I'm going to serve you. He hung out with the people that nobody thought he should have hung out with. In fact, the only people he truly confronted was the religious authority. Why? Because they thought they were better than everybody else. Jesus was constantly against this idea of exceptionalism, which means this, Jesus doesn't have a favorite country, which also means Jesus doesn't have a political party. Jesus doesn't have a political party. Jesus doesn't have one side that he's going for. Jesus is not going to throw a party on November, no matter who wins. In fact, Jesus, this entire time, is probably going in the back of your mind, going, there's something more important that you should be talking about right now, and it's me. Because, yeah, a political party can win, and that can be great, but if they find me, they find life. And so he's sitting there saying these things to them. And John 16, says this. It says, I have told you all this so that you will have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He says he is the source of peace. He has overcome the world. Yet we see families, we see friendships, we see churches split over political parties. Let me just say this as Christians. And here's what happens every time when I talk about this is people assume what, what political party I'm on. And I grew up in a very conservative household, and when I talk about not having a political party, people go, oh, you're just liberal. No, I'm not. In fact, I've gotten to this point now where I'm, I'm neither. I don't like to be anything. I, here, here's, here's where I am right now. I look at policies, and I look at what God would do. I don't care what party you're a part of. Because, here's the deal, here's what I know. I'm going to back some policies, but I don't have to back all of them. I don't have a candidate that I can agree totally with, and that's okay. But there are things that I do care about and God has told me that I should care about. In fact, when we ask, people ask us to define our political views, it should always start off with, well, as a Christian, I believe this. But we should also be okay with the fact that we don't believe in everything a political person stands for. See, here's what's happened. We've allowed our politics to inform our theology instead of our theology informing our politics. And this happened in the church because if you grew up during my time and you're a good Christian person, you voted Republican. That's what they told you. If you uh, are a good Christian person, you vote Republican. That's what you do. Don't ask questions. Don't ask what's actually going on. Don't ask about poor people. Just vote Republican. And here's what's interesting. It's, it's swayed. And there's this other side of culture now. There's this other side of Christianity that says, if you care about justice, if you care about poor people, if you care about racism, you care about these things, you must vote Democratic. If you are woke, you must vote Democratic. And if you don't, you're an idiot. And it's swung the other way. The problem is neither of that is true. Neither of those things are true. 
If you vote one way, people say you're a racist. If you vote other ways, people say you just want babies to die. If you vote another way, you're like, oh, you hate immigrants and refugees. Or if you vote another way, they say, well, you don't want our nation to be safe. Look, racism matters. Abortion matters. Immigrants and refugees matter. Our safety as a country absolutely matters. Those things matter because those things matter to God. But we cannot have a blind allegiance to a party just because they have a couple of the things that we want to check off. They have a couple of the ideas that we believed in. You know, I've been amazed how quickly someone will defend their political views but won't defend their Christian faith. I mean, how quickly we will throw something out on Facebook, a video or something saying this thing or the other thing, yet we refuse to talk about God in certain circles. And what we tend to do is this, is we tend to just surround ourselves with people that believe us and say the same thing. We have what's called confirmation bias, where we constantly just listen to people, news stories, blogs, podcasts that believe the same thing we do. How do we change this? We listen to all sides. We actually listen to the other side and realize they've got some good points. They've got some bad points. They've got some good points. I mean, think about this for a second. I just truly think about this. If Trump cured cancer, would the people on the left give him praise? He would give himself praise. But would the people on the left (laughs) give him praise? In the same way, no, look, in the same way, if Obama cured cancer, would the people on the right? I mean, I've watched how the different sides work. It was crazy. Bush's twin girls went nuts in college and nobody said anything. Yet Obama's little girl said, darn it. And it was a front page news article. Why is it that we are unable to see the good in certain people, but also see the bad on our own side? Because the political system is not our ultimate hope, but we tend to respond like it is. And as Christians, if we can't see the parts of our party that don't align with God, we're blinded. Let me just say this. If you cannot see the parts of your party that don't align with God, that means you're blinded. And what we're doing many times is this, is we somehow go to the Bible, find obscure scripture and say, well, God would want it that way. Or we don't believe that at all. And we just tell people, this is what God would want. And we blindly go after a candidate saying, this is the best thing, defending every part of them, showing the world this is what we care about. Showing the world that we are caring about these things, even though these things over here are absolutely Christ-like, but we're pushing them to the side. You know, some of the best verses in the Bible, if we read them over, I think it will change the way we feel about our political affiliation. It changes the way we see things. And some of the most basic ones, it's the ones we've heard all the time, the greatest commandment. It says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. The Beatitudes says, one day as the crowds were gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and began to teach them. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. You won't hear that very often in political speech. It says, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace 
those that are peacemakers, because they will be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. How different is that response than what we tend to do? When people mock us and lie about us and say things, are we happy about it realizing, wow, right now I'm more like Jesus than I ever have been because I'm actually talking about what I should. And on top of it, Galatians 5.22, it says the Holy Spirit produces these kinds of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I mean, just think about those three verses right there. How much of our political system the way we talk about politics has any part in that. I mean, how often do you see the fruit of the Spirit shown in a debate? <laughs> he may have ate a piece of fruit so he could take his pills, but that's about it. Like, it's a, you don't see this, right? How often do people talk about these things in such a way? And this week, we're not talking about how to actually talk about our convictions. We're talking about that next week. But think about this. When you look at the way you talk about politics, when you look at the way you defend politicians, the person that you're going after, do you show these traits? Are these the things that matter most to you or is winning what matters? See, so often we like to preach to others, but we don't like to be preached to. So often we like to point out what's wrong in somebody else's political party, but when even somebody brings up even the slightest thing about ours, we make up excuses for it instead of thinking maybe that's true. We can always find someone to agree with us. I mean, here's what's crazy. When you look at the two guys that we're, we're for, I mean, one of the biggest reasons that the evangelical side is supporting Trump is because he is pro-life. But what's interesting is you go back 20, 30 years and you hear him on the radio in some different interviews saying that he's perfectly pro-choice, yet now he's saying, I'm totally pro-life. Then you hear Biden talk about how he is anti-racist, he's against racist and all these things, yet we saw an article come out just not that long ago that talked about how Biden said he didn't want his, school, his children to go to desegregated schools because it would be a quote-unquote racial jungle. Now, do I think Biden could have changed his mind and now he actually understands racism? Absolutely. Do I think Trump could have changed his mind and understands that? Absolutely. But how often do we realize that people just say things to get votes and we follow them blindly? See, that's why we, as Christians, we can't just hold up a party or a person as somebody that we strive to be or we think is showing up and showing who God is. We're basically, we're holding up an idol because we think they can give us the kind of life that we want. See, when we hold up an idol as Christians, we're showing the world this is what we care about the most. So when we hold up either presidential candidate, when we hold up either party, we're, we're showing the world everything that goes along with this party is what I care about the most. I mean, what was interesting to me is this is before most of your time when Bill Clinton was in office. Bill Clinton was actually, it's so funny. Bill Clinton's the reason why whenever I tell people that Chrissy was my intern, everybody's like, ha ha. Like, no, no. If you don't know Bill Clinton. But here's what was interesting. Bill Clinton does what he does, being who he is, gets blasted. I mean, churches do messages on it. Talk about the fact that how can we have a president who lives this way and tell our kids how to live their life? Well, I don't know, parent. But they, they're blasting him. And then you have Trump come into office. Three wives? And who knows what else? I mean, he's caught on tape saying some pretty vulgar things. And you hear pastors go, well, he's not a pastor. He's a new Christian. Let's give him a break. 
And you see people, and the thing that has struck me the most is I've seen people that I thought, that I believed would not allow who they were to be swayed, but have changed just because they want a political candidate held up. And don't get me wrong. If your big thing is, man, I am totally anti-abortion. That is the most important thing to me. I fully understand voting for that. But if your big thing is, man, I don't understand why we aren't dealing with immigrants and refugees. Why aren't we helping them? And why aren't we looking at the idea of womb to tomb instead of just birth? Then I understand that too. And we can pick issues and we can pick things that we're going after. But to hold up a presidential figure, to hold up a party, just shows the state of our souls. See, our souls are broken and they're looking for a savior. And the problem is we're looking for him in a man and not a God who's there for us. When we choose to vilify the other side, when we choose to cancel the other side, we choose to be the opposite of Christ. And we choose to show the world that our hope is in a person and not something higher. And what we tend to do there is we tend to lose credibility and we tend to lose the right to speak truth into people's lives. I saw a post on uh, Happy Givers today and, and this is what it said. It says, God is close to the humble, not the theologically correct, not the well-versed, not the woke, the humble. So if you're wondering what I should be like in this political time, Humble. Humble. Absolutely knowing what you believe, but humble. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that you're a God that loves us no matter what we do, and you continue to give us second chances. God, I pray as we leave this room, as we have conversations, God, I pray that we would have the right ones. God, I pray that we would go into it with a spirit of humility and love. And God, I pray that we would speak words that show others that we believe in you, not in a person. God, I know this time is tense. God, I know there's conversations all around. God, please bless the time that we have. God, allow us to wrestle with the things you need us to wrestle with. And God, please allow us to become better because of that. God, we thank you for that. We love you for that. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.